Uh, Go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. If you were not with us last time we met, we focused on the priorities of a godly husband. Uh, And this week we are turning our attention to the priorities of a godly wife. And I said last week it was a, a bit of an intimidating lesson to teach as a husband who does not always do those things, this is a, uh, an easier lesson in one sense because uh, my wife really exemplifies these things in our home, and so I'm incredibly thankful for her, uh, but it's also something that uh, I have not had the privilege of living out in the same way, so, uh, uh, but we're going to look at what the scriptures teach and uh, hopefully be encouraged and blessed. And, and as with last week, you men might be saying, why are we here again tonight uh, to hear this? And it's not to evaluate your wife. It's not that at the end of the night you get to give her a grade in these areas. Uh, it's so that you can pray for her and so you can encourage and support her. And, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, uh, wives who desire to live out the biblical priorities, rather than finding encouragement from their husband, sometimes find resistance. You know, husbands who are pushing them in different directions than the scriptures do in terms of what they ought to be focusing on. Uh, And so we want as men to be an encouragement to our wives to help them as they seek to focus on these things and to be thankful for the things that they are striving to do to honor the Lord in this way. And again, this fits in the the larger study that we're doing on on biblical priorities for young families. The things that we'll talk about tonight are not the only priorities of godly women in this room. Uh, They are to be not in competition to the other priorities of of personal godliness and and involvement in the church and, and the other things that we've discussed and will, but really working in concert with those things. And so while these are critical things to focus on, they certainly aren't the only thing, uh, but we want to give consideration to them tonight. Now, we're going to spend time tonight in in four main texts of Scripture, and uh, we're not going to be able to exhaust those, obviously, uh, but Titus 2 is one of those. We'll refer to Ephesians 5 some as well, and 1 Peter 3, and also look at at a little bit of Proverbs chapter 31. But want us to start in Titus chapter 2. It says this in verse 1, As for you... Titus, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Tonight we're going to consider three priorities for a godly wife, a godly woman in the context of her family and home. The, the first that is spelled out here related to her husband mentions loving her husband, so being subject to their own husbands. The second regarding children, and the third their household. And so uh, I want us to think first about the priority of her husband. You know, it's interesting that Paul writes to Titus and says the older women need to encourage or urge the young women to do certain things. And, and you would expect that to be the case. That makes sense in the context of the church with discipleship going on between those who are older and more mature and those who are younger. But it's, it's kind of interesting, the things that they are encouraged to instruct and, and, and urge the younger women to do, one of those being to love their husbands. 
Because you would, you would think on the one hand that, that newlyweds, you know, are the ones who are in love from the time that they get married and, and they're just in this blissful state of love and, and you have to work to kind of keep that over the years. Uh, and so the younger women might be encouraging the older women, hey, keep loving your husband like we do because we have this blissful newlywed love. That's not what he says. He says the older women need to encourage the young women to love their husbands. You know, most newlyweds think they love their husband, and uh, they, they do to some extent, but oftentimes what we find in marriage is that when we say I love you to our spouse, what we really mean is I love how you make me feel or I love what you do for me. We often mean really subtly, I, I love me and I love what you do for me and this is great. And then in marriage, we get to live together and we see very quickly that that love that is selfless towards another is not necessarily the same thing as that attraction that drew us together initially. And so Paul urges Titus to encourage the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands, not in just a, an emotional attraction sense, but to display mature biblical love that is lasting, not simply uh, a love that is, is a fleeting emotional one. This idea of love we talked about last time is a, a selfless and enduring commitment of the will towards another. It's an affection that cares for them and desires their good and is eager to give of oneself for them. In the context of a, a wife and a husband, it's, a, it's an eagerness to be with your husband, to serve your husband, to desire what is best for your husband. You know, I, I would guess that every lady in this room would say, yes, I, I want to do that. I want to be that towards my husband. I want to love them. But it's easy in the midst of life for those who are closest to us, like our spouse, instead of getting our priority focus to love, they kind of get the scraps of what's left over in terms of time and, and energy. Paul says younger women are to prioritize loving their husband. You know, in addition to the other things that scream for our time, taking away a focus from loving uh, our husband, sometimes it's easy for the shortcomings or sins of a husband to dampen that love as we get to know one another more. I appreciate Elizabeth Elliot's words. She wrote this. She said, a wife, if she is very generous, may allow that her husband lives up to perhaps 80% of her expectations, if she's generous. Um, there's always the other 20% that she would like to change, and she may chip away at it for the whole of their married life without reducing it by very much. She writes, she may, on the other hand, simply decide to enjoy the 80%, and both of them will be happy. Now, it doesn't mean we don't pray for our spouse, that wives shouldn't care for their spouse, husbands increasing sanctification, but we can allow the things that become a frustration or things we wish to change to sap the love that we have for our husband, your husband. And so we must, uh, we must be careful, all of us, but particularly wives, to, to think carefully about their husbands showing affection for them and giving of themselves, prioritizing that relationship. Ladies, prioritize your husband. Love your husband. Sacrifice and give of yourself for him. Titus 2 continues, though. It says that 
older women should encourage the young women to love their husbands, but also in regards to their husbands, verse 5 says, to be subject to their own husbands. Wives should be loving her husband and, and should be submitting to her husband. Here it says being subject to their own husbands in Ephesians 5. If you want to flip over a, f- a few pages to the left to Ephesians 5, it, it puts it similarly In verse 22, it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. This submission really flows from from a heart of love that is voluntarily yielding to another. A a willingness to lay down your, uh, your opinions and desires to follow the authority of another. John Piper puts it this way. He says, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership, an attitude that says, I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I'm glad when you take responsibility for things and lead with love. To, to be a priority for every woman in this room to say, I, I want to love my husband and I want to follow my husband. I want to actively make choices to submit myself to his leadership. We talked last time about how that's a priority God's given the men in this room to lead and, and the, the wives are to come under that leadership and authority. Now notice in, in Ephesians 5 and in Titus 2, who wives are to submit to, it says very clearly, be subject to your own husbands. This is not a general call for all women all over to submit to all men under any and every circumstances. This is in the context of a marriage relationship, a wife to her own husband. And why? It says to submit as to the Lord. Ephesians 5.21 gives the overarching principle of being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see, ladies, the reason you can and ought to submit to your husband's leadership is not because of your husband. It's because of the Lord. You don't submit to your husband because he's worthy of your submission. You submit to your husband because Christ is worthy of your submission, and Christ is the one who calls you to submit to your husband. You see this really clearly in, in 1 Peter 3, we'll look at it in a minute, where it, it connects submission, a heart of submission, with a heart that hopes in God. We'll come back to that in a moment, but he, he also goes on here in Ephesians 5 and says, wives are to submit as to the Lord for one reason, and also because the husband is head of the wife. God's given the husband that role, not because He's better or smarter or, or more qualified because that's how he has designed relationships to work. 1 Corinthians 11 says that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Just like in the Trinity, there are roles and relationships, so it is in marriage. And so it is right that we embrace those roles. And, and he says in, in verse 24, that as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. The only exception being when if your husband asks you or tells you to do something, God forbids, or he asks you or tells you not to do something that God commands, you can say, no, I'll obey God and not you. I'll submit to him over you. But in every other aspect, he says we're to display that heart of submission 
And not simply the outward act, but with an inward heart of respect. Verse 33 says, a wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Again, you, you are probably tempted to make uh, a, a little um, comment in your head, but you don't know my husband. <laughs> you know, I think I, I know many of you men here, and I'm, I'm thankful for you, uh, but all of us have uh, shortcomings that our wives are more aware of than anyone else in this room, some of which are sinful, some of which are just weaknesses that we have as men. You know, you may say, you know, my husband's a nice guy, but he's maybe not the sharpest tool in the toolbox, or, or he's not as engaged in our family as I wish he would be, or he's not as spiritually mature as I wish he is, or, or some maybe he's not even a, a Christian. Well, First Peter 3 says, wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word. He, he says, this is not just in an ideal situation because ultimately it's not about your husband. It's about Christ. First Peter 3 is, is kind of worst case scenario. Uh, an unbelieving pagan spouse, at least was true for some that Peter was writing to. And he says, you still have this attitude not because of your husband, but because, again, of Christ. You know, it's easy to think I'd be happy to submit if, if he would just think carefully about things or if he would be more spiritually minded. And, and so it's easy to try to, uh, to push him, to get him to be more of what we want them to be. But First Peter 3 continues and says that wives are to submit even to those who are disobedient to the word that they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. You see, you don't try to get your husband to be all those things before you submit to him biblically. Rather, you influence him potentially to be those things by submitting to him, even when he's not. God says in 1 Peter 3 that this is what's truly beautiful for you. This is the priority of of you pursuing what is precious in God's sight is this kind of a heart. It's, it's, it's the adornment that God delights in. He says your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. And he goes on and, and says that this heart flows In verse five, this is what the former women of God used to adorn themselves, and they were the ones who hoped in God. You see, that's why you can do this, is because your hope, your confidence, is in God, not your husband or yourself. Ladies, if you say, well, I think I know best for me and my family, you will struggle to submit to your husband. If your hope is in your husband, I'm so glad he knows best. He will disappoint you, and you will begin to say, eh, maybe that's not where I should put my hope. But if you are hoping or trusting in God, you will joyfully submit to your husband because God has instructed you to do that, and you're confident that God will use the imperfect authority of your husband to bring about his perfect will for your life. Ladies, prioritize your husband. Love him. Enjoy him. 
delight in being with him and, and serving him, submit to him, embrace his leadership in your life. Let that shape other priorities that you have. And, and thirdly, be committed to helping your husband. Helping your husband. We saw a couple of sessions ago God's plan for marriage, his design, that it's not good for man to be alone. You know, most of us in this room can think back as men to when we were single and to what life looked like and to maybe the things we ate and the way that we dressed and the way we spent our time. And now you look at what it's like with a wife and you say, this is very much better. God knows what he's doing. As God knows, we need help. And he said, I'm gonna give you a helper who is suitable for you, not the same as you, but who can come and, and help you to be all that God intends. That was his desire for Adam. Was there somebody who can help you to obey and do all the things that God has called you to do? That was before Adam was a sinner. That was just because he was a man that he needed that. And God provided that through a wife. And so a wife is to delight in helping her husband be all that God intends him to be to delight to see him using his gifts for the good of his family, for the glory of Christ, the, the building up of the body. It's not to highlight all their weaknesses, but to help compensate for them. It's, it's not to criticize what they're not doing, but to help maximize what they are. Not to complain about them, but to pray for them and, and coming alongside. And again, this doesn't mean that a wife can't use her own gifts in, in the pursuit of opportunities the Lord has brought for her. Obviously, a, a wife should still be serving in the church and engaged in the church and, and doing other things. You're not just there to help your husband, but you are, are, are there to do that, to help him be what God intends. Now, men, obviously, if you think you don't need help and you don't appreciate the help of your wife, it puts her in a very difficult position to be able to do this. But when you welcome that and you value that, you embrace that, be a beautiful thing. Proverbs 31 describes an excellent wife in this way. It says, an excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. What a a powerful picture that the husband gains because of his relationship with his wife. He trusts her to to be one who is a a help and a blessing and, and she does him good, being benevolent towards him, helpful and loving all the days of her life. Ladies, prioritize your husband. Love him. Submit to him, help him. And, and then secondly, back in Titus 2, we see the priority of her children. We've, we've talked about this some generally, uh, both in, uh, when we considered the priority of family, and we've talked about this in the past with other studies that we've done, so we won't spend a, a lot of time on it tonight. But Titus 2 says that the older women are to encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Again, most of the time, you probably think, I love my children. Some of the time, you might think, eh, I could do without them, at least for a while. Um, but we, we do have a, a natural affection and an affinity for our children. But sometimes, again, we, we can love our children in a way that really means we love what our kids do for us. We love how people comment about our kids to us, and it makes us 
feel good, uh, with, depending on the comment. And uh, we love how, how our kids make us feel appreciated, and, and we love their hugs, and we love what it does for us. So this is a, an encouragement to enjoy your kids in those ways, but, but to sacrifice ourselves for their good, to give ourselves for them, to prioritize and take joy in being uh, a mother to your children in a biblical sense. Now, this doesn't mean that all of life revolves around them. Again, they're one priority in the midst of, of many. We don't want to become child-centered, as is so easy in our culture. You know, it's very easy to allow all that we do and every decision that we make to be based around what our kids want or what the culture expects for our children, and we want to be careful of that. But we do want to care well for them to view them as a priority, to spend the time and energy necessary, especially moms. He says in, we are to, uh, to, the older women are to teach the younger women to love their children. Elsewhere, this is fleshed out in terms of what parents are to do with their kids. We've talked a lot about the priority of instructing children. Proverbs 31 describes the excellent wife again in this way. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. What a a powerful description. As a a mom interacting with your kids, that you open your mouth in wisdom. That as you're interacting and, and talking to them and directing them, that you do so in biblical wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, modeling a heart that is in a life that is kind and teaching them in that way. Also means, thirdly, that there's a commitment to disciplining her children. Again, you, we've, we've spoken of this before, that it, it takes time, especially when your children are young, to be committed to disciplining them in an appropriate way. Proverbs nineteen eighteen: discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. Obviously, much of this often falls on the wife who is, is spending the most time with young children. Being committed to discipline. One author said the parent must often sacrifice time, energy, and personal desire to obey the Lord and discipline the little ones while there is hope. Well, because of the priority of her family, her husband and her children, a third priority for godly wives will be the priority of her household, of her household Again, don't primarily think of this as a separate area, although that's true in a sense, but think of this as one specific application of one's love for and help of your husband and love for your children. One of the ways you love and help your husband is by caring for your household, your home. One of the ways you love your children is by caring for your home. Titus 2 puts it this way that, The younger women are to be workers at home. They are to be diligent in laboring in the context of their home. Proverbs 31, if you'll turn there with me, describes this in a number of different ways and some specific examples. I think you can summarize it in verse 27 when it says, an excellent wife looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. We saw last time the priority for men of providing for their families. And here we see wives having the priority of caring for and managing the details of the home. 
Now, this is gonna look different in different marriages and in different homes to some extent, depending on the gifts of the husband and the wife and the desires of how some of those things are, uh, are handled. Um, but a wife is to focus on caring well for her household, on working diligently in the context of the home. Now, historically, this has been more widely appreciated and affirmed, but it has increasingly fallen on hard times. There's a reminder of this, uh, my oldest daughter, Anna, is a junior in high school, and so we have started the college visit process, which is uh, sort of fun, sort of not. Uh, we went up to uh, Texas Women's University because it was close and it was a place we could visit initially and uh, just kind of get our feet wet in that world. And, and uh, they were giving us a tour and Texas Women started and they showed us the oldest building on campus and that used to be where they had a home economics major. And that was really the primary major that Texas Women's University had at the time. Now, um, I don't think, one, that women need a college degree to care well for their home, but it was insightful that 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 used to be something that a woman would choose to go and get a college degree in in that way, and they don't offer that anymore, and and um, there's, um, you know, good reason for uh, uh, for some of those things, but there, there used to be an emphasis culturally that that is a noble pursuit for a woman to devote herself to these things. Now, the cultural pressure is, oh, if you're filling out a form and it asks occupation and you put something like homemaker, it's like, oh, well, what, what else do you do? What do you really do? What's your job? And it's like, no, that's, that's a legitimate uh, use of your time that honors the Lord and is a priority focus. Again, Paul is not saying in Titus 2, nor is uh, the writer of Proverbs saying that that has to be your only occupation, but it is to be a focus. It is to be a priority. Again, you don't need a college degree to do it. You do, as Titus says, need older women to help in that way. Ideally, that comes first in the home with uh, a mother instructing her daughter. It can be others in the church, other authors. Proverbs 31 fleshes out more of what this looks like and what this requires. If you look at, at um, back at verse 10, let's read along, follow along with me. Now, be, before we read this, I would say I don't think that this lady in Proverbs 31 had four young kids under the age of six. And so some of the specific attributes that are described do not fit every season of life. Verse 28 says her children rise up and bless her. Now, you, you who have very young children, you're like, what a glorious day that would be. <laughs> um, you know, my children rise up and do all sorts of other things, but not that. Um, so this is not a, a job description specifically, but it does give the character and the focus of this woman in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. She will have no lack, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's like merchant ships, brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself, her 
clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. See, we see this excellent wife is, is focused and diligently seeking to care well for her household. There are other characteristics that are described, but I, I want you to notice four. The first is this involves diligent labor. She works hard. We see in, in verse 13, she works with her hands in delight. She gathers food. She rises early and, and prepares those things. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Now again, this doesn't look the same in every season of life. You might say, well, I rise while it's still night too. And it's because I have a baby that's screaming. And I'm not baking bread while I'm caring for that baby. And, and so there are seasons of life where this looks different. But that commitment to say, I'm going to work hard to do my work excellently unto the Lord in the context of my home is a commitment of a godly woman. There's diligent labor and effort at those tasks which you get to do over and over. You know, sometimes when we work, we work and we work and we work and we see this great and grand uh, end result that we get to step back and say, ah, look what we've accomplished. Sometimes when we work, we get to do the same thing over and over. Like you cook a meal and what happens? People eat the meal and you wash the dishes and then you do it all over the next day, right? And, and it's like, okay, at the end of the day, you may, not, you may look and say, I have a, a, a messy kitchen to show for my day's work or a clean kitchen to show for my day's work. And, and it just resets time and time again. You wash the clothes and what happens? You get to do it again the next week. And so that, that joy that comes from seeing the finished product sometimes rarely comes. And yet there's joy in working hard unto the Lord, given the roles and responsibilities that God has given in the context of home. Diligently labor for the care and the good of your household. And also we see in this woman, secondly, careful preparation. She's giving thought to how she can care well. Again, verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household. She's anticipating what is coming in terms of provisions for her household. Says she's not afraid of the snow for her household is, uh, is clothed appropriately. She's anticipating what might happen and seeking to be prepared well. Now, one of the things that helps this is time to think. You know, husband's a great blessing that you can give your wives as they are seeking to do these things well is to give them time to think and plan and prepare. That's hard to do when you have lots of little ones running around distracting you. Maybe on a, on a weekend, instead of you just taking time off to relax and do your thing, you say, honey, I'll keep the kids for a couple hours if you trust me enough to keep them alive. And you go to Starbucks and you get a, a, a drink and you sit and you think and you plan and you anticipate what's coming. And uh, if you want to make a meal plan, you want to do whatever it is, 
you take that time to, to prepare and to be refreshed and to give consideration to the work that, that God's called you. We see a, a level third of financial responsibility in this lady as she is doing these things. She is considering a field and, and buying it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She's, uh, she's careful in the management of the resources of the home. You know, one thing that's tremendously helpful in this, I think, is a, is a budget because that allows a family to have conversations that a husband can be involved in the general direction, financial direction of the family, but it frees up a wife day by day to make decisions in the, the managing of the household in that way. So that the wife's not sitting in the grocery store wondering or needing to get her husband's permission, should I buy this or should I buy that? Well, you take it and run with it and plan and prepare and, and do so in a way that's a wise steward of our resources, but that you can take and run with. But all this is done, fourthly, with a selfless character. You know, ladies, the goal is not to have your home immaculate so that some magazine will want to come take photos of it. It's not to impress others who come over to your house. The goal is to bless your family, to help your family and your husband bless others. Verse 20 says she extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not thinking of herself. She's working diligently for the good of her family and for the good of others that the Lord would allow her family to bless and to interact with. Ultimately, her heart is focused on the Lord. Verse 30, a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. You see, she deserves praise the proverb says, but she doesn't do these things to receive man's praise. What she does is commendable, this focus and fulfilling this priority, but she's not doing it for that reason. Now, does this idea of prioritizing one's household, of working at home, preclude a woman from working outside the home? Well, certainly I think the answer is clear biblically that no, that's not the case. Even if you look at this woman, what is she doing? In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it, and from her earnings she plants a vineyard. She makes linen garments, verse 24, and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. And that doesn't mean that you need to go get your real estate license and and set up your own clothing line or belt line or whatever uh, that you're selling out of your garage. But it does mean that it's okay for this woman to be thinking about other ways to bless and encourage her family. But just as a husband has other priorities that influence the decisions that he makes regarding his vocation and employment, so a wife's other priorities should do the same. And so Wives should not feel compelled to work because they believe the cultural lies that minimize the importance on focusing on one's household and elevate the pursuit of financial and material gain. And, and certainly husband and wives need to be careful that working outside the home is in fact helping the family in a more significant way than just a higher standard of living. And certainly as, as young families, it's wise to be so careful that we are not making long-term financial commitments that guarantee that a, a wife will have to continue to work as the seasons of life change and as, as there are other things that, that necessitate more focus. You know, certainly uh, the scriptures do not dictate all, every detail of what a godly woman's life looks like, but they do give clear priorities. Say, a woman who wants to honor the Lord is gonna focus her time and her energy on her husband, on helping him, on loving him, 
on, on submitting to him and following his leadership on her children. That's going to be a focus of her, delighting in the opportunity to invest in her children, to shepherd them, instructing them, and disciplining them. And she's going to delight in focusing on her own household, on managing that, on working hard at home for the glory of Christ and for the good of her family and the good of others that that allows her family to, uh, to minister to and to enjoy. Again, not to the exclusion of other priorities like your own growth and godliness. Not to the exclusion of involvement and, and ministry in the church. These are not the only things a woman should be focused on, but they are priorities that God says should characterize those who desire to be godly women. And so men, as well, encourage and support your wives in these things. You know, when, when you and I think about our life and our wives' life, don't think, yeah, I work and she doesn't. It's not true. You get paid to work in dollars, maybe, and your wife doesn't. <laughs> If she's, just, if she's focused on, on home, working at home. But your wife is working, and she is diligently pursuing the things that God has called her to. Encourage her and support her in those things. Be thankful for her. Rise up and bless her. Honor her for remaining focused on those things. And as, as your family makes decisions about what life looks like at different seasons, how much your wife may work for income or other things, be sure to direct your family to come back to what are the clear priorities God has given us and, and can we keep those things at the forefront of our focus as we navigate the different seasons and stages of life. As we want to fulfill the priorities that God has given us. And, and as you see, the, the priorities we talked about last time for a godly husband and the priorities that we talk about tonight for a godly wife fit together beautifully. Now that doesn't mean you can say, well, if my wife does her part, I'll do mine. No, you focus on you. You encourage the good you see in your spouse, but you focus on you and, and encourage your spouse as you see growth in these things and delight in what the Lord will do in and through your family. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it speaks truth to our lives and families. And, and Lord, we do recognize that in so many different areas, it speaks wisdom that is so contrary to the folly of our world. And Lord, we, we confess that it's easy to have our mind shaped more by the thinking of our age than by your word. It's easy to allow our hearts to love and long for the things that our world says are valuable more than your word says. And Lord, I pray that you would give grace to each of the women here tonight, that they would be devoted to the priorities that you have given them, or not begrudgingly, but with great joy, finding great delight in in prioritizing their husband and in loving them and eagerly submitting to them and coming alongside and helping them to thrive and flourish as men who love God. And Lord, I pray they would prioritize their children and, and caring for them well and shepherding them. And I pray that they would, as they seek to do those things, manage their household well for your glory and for the good of their family and others. Lord, thank you for the grace that you give us. Thank you that you continue to work in us and, 
And we want to grow in these things as we encourage one another to that end. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.